When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to football full circle this hour we're going to talk about college football and we're joined by our friend and host of college football today joe lisi joe what's going on bud nothing mike the long off season i'm preparing for the 2020 campaign some good news about the ncaa moving forward for practice preparation for most of these schools so we'll see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks yeah you'll find him on twitter at go for the two so we're going to start here with the ACC, it's the conference I am uh, most interested in because my alma mater, Boston College, is firmly entrenched there. But we'll get to them. Right, you're from Boston College? How yeah, you know? that's right. That's, I'm not from Boston College. I went to school there, but I do strenuously object. So we'll uh, we'll get to them a little bit later because they're not going to challenge for anything uh, this year. But let me give you the odds uh, according to. Right now, the only odds we have are the odds for any of these teams to compete to win the college football national championship. So the team at the top of the food chain in the entire NCAA right now is Clemson at plus 250. So they're the shortest odds in the entire country uh, to win the title. Uh, Miami is next amongst ACC teams at plus 10,000. Then you got North Carolina right there with them at plus 10,000. What's up, Mac Brown? Louisville was fourth. At plus 15,000, you got Virginia Tech at plus 20,000, uh, Florida State 230 to 1, NC State 230 to 1, Pittsburgh 230 to 1. Going down the list, Duke, Syracuse, Virginia, BC, Wake, and Georgia Tech pulling up the rear at 400 to 1. So, in this regard, considering how the odds stack up, can anybody really challenge Clemson here? Absolutely not, Mike. You're talking about a team in Clemson since 2014 that's 49 and 4 against ACC opponents straight up. That's a 924 winning percentage. 
They were 9-0 in the ACC last year and won those games by an average margin of victory of about 36 points per game. So they have Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne comes back. Justin Ross now out for the season with a neck injury. That'll put some pressure on that passing attack, maybe in the college football playoff. But throughout the regular season, I don't see a team challenging Clemson outside of maybe Louisville that they're the one team I think that has some young players in place with their quarterback Mikael Cunningham coming back that could possibly maybe move the football on that defense but I just don't see any way Clemson doesn't get to the ACC title game this year all right so no one's going to challenge Clemson here Mike Norville's walking into Florida State new head coach there what's he walking into <laughs> He's walking into some good young talent. Now, obviously, the off-the-field issues, what happened over the last couple of weeks in terms of team unity, how does that affect the program moving forward? This is an offense last year that struggled to run the football, George. They were ranked in the bottom half of FBS last year, averaging around 131 Rushing yards per game, Cam Akers moves on. The biggest question mark for Mike Norvell is the offensive line. I mean, that has been the Achilles heel for that offense over the last couple of years. He needs to shore that up. But Marvin Wilson's anchors a defense. I think this team can get back to a bowl game this year. I think 7-5 and five is realistic. Anything outside of that in year number one, I don't think it comes. I think it comes in year two and three for Florida State. So as a... As somebody that watches this league probably more intensely than some of the others, as a lot of people know that watch this, George and I are primarily focused on pro football during the season. I always have an eye on college football because it's one of my first loves. I just don't follow it as in-depth as perhaps I have in the past. But I always got my eye on the ACC. And here's the funky thing. Clemson over the last 10 years has built a powerhouse of a program. They were... Uh, they were sort of middle of the pack before that. Dabo Swinney came in, built a powerhouse of a program. But simultaneously, it's not just about them. The other programs have really fallen off, Joe. It's clearly the, all the arrows are pointed up at Clemson for teams trying to get on their level, which is going to be difficult. But all these other teams fell by the wayside. Florida State, Virginia Tech, and, and uh, some of the other programs – are just not as powerful as they once were. What do you think is the reason for that? I just think it's because of the other dominant conferences. You look at the Big Ten, you look at Ohio State, and, and them you know, since 2015, they've only lost four games. You look at the Big 12 in Oklahoma, they've only lost four games in the conference since 2015. And kids want to go to a contender. They just don't want to go to a, a school and get a full scholarship and compete and, and play college football on TV. They want to go where they have an opportunity to win and get to the college football playoff. And I think that that's the biggest concern for five-star recruits right now. And when you look at Dabo Sweeney, Mike, it took him eight years to build a winner, yeah. but the, you know, the administration stood behind him and allowed him the opportunity to get his type of players in there. And now they're reaping the rewards uh, of his recruiting success over the last decade. Okay, now, Joe, Trevor Lawrence, I know, great player, blah, 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 Heisman Trophy, blah, blah, number one in the uh, draft, maybe. I get it. Give me somebody else in this conference. Uh, give me two players outside of Trevor Lawrence that we should be watching. 
I think, you know, two quarterbacks outside of Trevor Lawrence is Mikael Cunningham from Louisville. This is a player that's a Lamar Jackson type of player. He got his feet wet a couple of years ago as a freshman, and now he really excelled under Scott Satterfield last year, became a better pocket passer, threw for over 60% of his passes in terms of completions, threw for over 20 touchdowns, and rushed, averaged over five yards per carry. So he's a quarterback that can make plays outside the pocket another year in the system, I think he'll put up dynamic numbers with two of the biggest wide receivers in the conference and Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. So keep an eye out for Mikael Cunningham. But then you have to look at Mac Brown in, in Chapel Hill with Sam Howell. I mean, last year, 38 touchdown passes. He led that team to a bowl win over Temple. As long as he stays healthy, all eyes are on Sam Howell as possibly the second best quarterback within the division. I said last week we briefly talked about them with your partner, Rich Sermonello. Uh, I just can't believe Mac is back and he has them in a really good position. It, it's pretty impressive for, for him to be doing that yet again in North Carolina. So let's get into some other coaches. We'll start with uh, my guy uh, that I'm excited about. Uh, Jeff Halfley comes over uh, as defensive coordinator from Ohio State. He's now the new head coach at Boston College. Um, uh, clearly, there's a long way to go for them to be able to compete with Clemson, but what do you think of this as a fit for BC? I think it's a good long-term fit, Mike. They need some new young blood in there in terms of recruiting, but I think it's an uphill battle in the 2020 campaign. They lose their starting quarterback, Anthony Brown, that transferred to Oregon. They lose A.J. Dillon, and they lose, in terms of defensive talent over the last couple of years, Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray two years ago really hurt that defensive front. They only had 21 total sacks. That was down about 16 sacks from 2018, about 42% of the production. I think it's going to take a while for BC to get back on track. I picked them at three and nine overall schedule is not easy. I just think they're up against it from a speed perspective. A lot of the younger teams like Virginia is getting better. You look at Virginia tech, they have a lot of returning talent and they're solidified at the quarterback position. That's why I'm not sold on Boston college getting back to a bowl. They seem to regress under Adazio and now it's an uphill battle in year number one for Halfley. All right, I guess I'll be the pessimist here. We talked about some new uh, head coaches, Halfley in BC, Norvell in FSU. How about coaches that may be coaching for their jobs here? I mean, we're saying Georgia Tech 400 to 1, Wake Forest 400 to 1. Who may not be back next season? In the division, it's going to be very difficult, guys, because they had some turnover again within the ACC. I mean, you look at Pat Narduzzi. I mean, he was on the hot seat a couple of years ago, 8-5. and five, They won their bowl game against Eastern Michigan. If they regress this year, he could possibly be on the hot seat. I mean, the biggest concern for Pittsburgh is they had got away from their identity. They were a ground-and-pound type of offense that averaged around five yards per carry when James Conner was there a few years ago. Last year, a significant drop-off with Kenny Pickett in terms of the offense. They only averaged around three and a half yards per carry, almost a 1,000 rushing yards less than where they were in 2018. If Kenny Pickett can't take the next step in terms of his progression and this team is 500, Pat Narduzzi could be on the outside looking in for a job in 2021. So uh, I'll ask, I'll go back. This is a pretty good topic in terms of coaches. And I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit later in the hour. But I wanted to talk about one team in particular. I think you probably talked about it last week. But, you know, 
is Miami really just a lot of flash right now? Are they that still that far off of Clemson? Are they really the team that can win the Coastal Division and uh, potentially face off against Clemson? Is Manny Diaz really building a program uh, that can get De'Ara King in a good spot and have them rip off nine or ten wins this season? He can, but again, offensive line, just like Florida State, is going to be a huge concern. I mean, they allowed 51 total sacks in terms of FBS. That was ranked around 126 out of 130 teams last year in 2019. So with his athleticism, yes, he can take this team to the next level, but without spring ball, without getting used to the quarterback-to-wide receiver continuity in the offense, can De'Ara King step up? He's a dual-threat type of player, a Lamar Jackson type type of player, but within a new scheme, without elite talent, Jeff Thomas, their elite wide receiver moved on. Their top two leading wide receivers have moved on to the NFL. So that's going to put pressure on that offense. And they're not built in terms of a rushing attack. So we'll see how they do in 2020. But the Manny Diaz, if he takes this team to six and seven, like they were last year, he could be on the outside looking in in 2021 because a lot of the boosters were not happy with the type of success that the Hurricanes had in 2019. Okay, Trevor Lawrence. All right, we're going to hear all season long the tank for Trevor lose for Lawrence in the NFL. Give me your opinion. What are the odds that you think he's the number one pick next year? And will he turn the Jacksonville Jaguars around? <laughs> I think he will turn the Jacksonville Jaguars no around. <laughs> I think he is definitely the overall overall number one uh, pick as long as he's healthy. Unless he has a two type of injury in 2020, uh, there's no doubt that Trevor Lawrence will be uh, the the first quarterback and possibly the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. Huge upside. Is he still a little raw entering the season? He is. He showed some inconsistency last year, especially in the first part of the season. But in the second half of the season, George, he did not throw an interception in like seven straight games up until the national championship game. So we'll see how it plays out. But Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback entering college football this season. And to be honest, the Tua injury didn't really impact him that much. He went fifth. Right. Right. Even if Tua was completely healthy, there's an there's a certainly a chance that he would not have been the number one overall pick anyway. Right. Because Burrow had such a monster season. I think it would have been a healthier debate. Um, but I think the Bengals were probably taking Joe Burrow anyway. The Ohio connection and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it didn't really hurt Tua that much. But you make a good point. Uh, about Trevor needing to work on a couple of things. Nobody's perfect, right, as a college quarterback, and we'll see uh, as that continues. So we'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten on the other side of this break. Uh, Joe, Get Joe's thoughts on a lot of coaches there. It feels like uh, half the conference is on the hot seat as far as coaches are concerned. We'll come back right here on FFC. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back on Football Full Circle. Mike, George, and Joe. Give you everybody's Twitter handles right near here. I'm at Mike Blewett. George is at George Kurtz. Joe Lisi is at Go for the Two, the number two. Uh, and at SportsGrid if you want to follow all of us on Instagram at SportsGrid TV. Uh, Joe Lisi never skips leg day, by the way. He wanted me to mention <laughs> that for all the fans out there. So uh, we're talking Big Ten right now. Um, and... Much in the way that the ACC is, everybody's pointed towards one team, right? That's Ohio State. So the Big Ten odds, according to FanDuel, to win the college football playoff are as follows. Ohio State, only team in front of them on the entire board across the country is Clemson at plus 250. Ohio State's at plus 300. Uh, Penn State at plus 3,000. So uh, not that far off uh, the pace from some other top teams. Wisconsin at plus 5,000 is next. Minnesota, amazing to see them up there at plus 6,000. 6, uh, P.J. Fleck getting it done there. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Michigan, rather, at plus 8,000. Iowa at plus 10,000. Nebraska, 230 to 1. Michigan State, 250 to 1 with the new head coach, Mel Tucker. Uh, Indiana, 300 and Northwestern, 300 to 1. Illinois, Purdue at 400 to 1. Maryland at 500 to 1, and Rutgers doesn't have odds. They're off the board right now. So that's good. obviously not a good sign. Uh, but let's line it up. Ohio State is clearly the best team here, much like Clemson was in the ACC. But is there a better chance of one of these other teams challenging Ohio State in this conference? I think if there's one team, Mike, that's going to challenge Ohio State this year, it's going to be Penn State uh, and James Franklin. I mean, this has been a team that's pushed Ohio State to the limit as an 18-and-a-half-point underdog on the road last year. They found a way to make it a fourth-quarter game. Now, can they take the next step? A few years ago, they got the victory in Happy Valley. And two years ago, they were in a position to knock off James 
excuse me, Dwayne Haskins and lost that matchup uh, by one point in the final minute. So Ohio State does travel to Happy Valley later in the year uh, in the month of October. That's going to be the telltale sign. I mean, can Sean Clifford take the next step in terms of his play on the field? I'm not so sure. And they're a dominant team at home, Penn State. 26-2 and two at home under James Franklin since 2016, but they struggle on the road, and that's going to be the main concern when they have to go on the road week number two to Virginia Tech and then later in the year against Michigan. So I, I think it's just Justin Fields and Ryan Day cruising to the Big Ten championship game just like they've done in recent years. All right, Joe, we got Justin Fields here. Uh, give me some players of the year. We saw. Uh, we can talk about Justin Fields too. We can talk about Justin Fields, Tanner Morgan. Give me some players of the year here. I think Tanner Morgan's a quarterback, obviously, you have to keep an eye out on. Now, does he take the next step? I mean, 30 touchdown passes in 2019. Uh, Johnson, their big play wide receiver, moves on, but they do have Bateman that does return. And two of their top leading rushers in Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks are no longer with the program. So it does fall on Ibrahim, their big play running back. Can they move the football consistently? Because I think if Tanner Morgan's asked to win games solely on on his arm, that could be a concern for that offense. But I did pick them at nine and three overall this year, George. I think they can be in the mix, possibly challenge ten wins. But I think they're the second best team uh, in the West this year, behind Iowa. Uh, so Jack Cohn, quarterback at Wisconsin, uh, he's local to us. Uh, George and I live on Long Island, where Jack Cohn is from. He's another player that's obviously. Uh, could be poised for a big season, right? They have an opportunity to win their division. He'd be the quarterback uh, leading that team to potentially the Big Ten championship game. And if somehow Ohio State got tripped up, uh, is he one of the players that would be in the mix or who maybe on Penn State uh, that would be in the mix for a player of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, let's talk about Jack Cohn. The biggest uh, progression that he made last year is he became a better pocket passer, completed 69% of his passes last year. But now Jonathan Taylor moves on to the NFL. That's a back-to-back 2,000-yard -back rusher. It'll be a dual threat this year. And Quinton Cephas, their big play wide receivers, moved on last year. So without an elite talent at the wide receiver position, expect opposing defenses to stack the box and force Cohn to beat them over the top. And that's going to be the concern for Wisconsin this year. I think he's a good quarterback. He's not an elite talent like Justin Fields. So I think if you're looking for a player of the year candidate, let's look on the defensive side of the ball. Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. I think he's a big play linebacker that can run sideline to sideline. Very athletic. You could utilize him off the edge in terms of pass rush as well. So keep an eye out for Micah Parsons because I think he's a player that can really change the landscape of a game uh, just the way we saw Simmons from uh, Clemson do last year. All right, our new coach here, Mel Tucker, MSU. What does he have to do to turn this program or bring this program to where they want it to be? Well, they're going to have to run the football uh, like they did back in 2016, George. This is an offense that's going in, in terms of the opposite direction, in terms of a rushing attack. Over the last four years, Michigan State has regressed from about four and a half yards per carry to about three and a half yards per carry. And that's very uncharacteristic of a Michigan State offensive line. So quarterback's going to be a concern as well with Brian Lewerke moving on to the NFL. Elijah Collins is there. 
but more importantly, wide receivers are a huge concern for Mel Tucker in year number one, along with the schedule. Not easy. Going to be very difficult. I picked Michigan State at 5-7 and seven this year. Uh, defense as well. Big losses on the defensive side of the ball with Joe Bocci, their leading tackler, moving on to the NFL. So defense should take a step back in year number one for Mel Tucker. Obviously, we'll talk more about odds related to these teams as FanDuel starts uh, releasing them uh, and and get into them in, on a weekly basis. But right now, we only have the, the, the larger odds to win the championship. But back to Michigan State for a moment. You and I talked about this because Mark D'Antoni uh, resigned, retired at a pretty awkward time during the year. And you and I were on shows, Football Full Circles, back in February and March talking about this. You don't love the fit for Mel Tucker at Michigan State overall, correct? I don't. I thought Luke Fickle, now I understand he was in the mix, would have been a perfect fit for that school. Now, Mel Tucker comes from Alabama. I understand he was there at Georgia as well with Kirby Smart, but I just think it's a bad fit in terms of the recruiting aspect. Again, I thought Luke Fickle would have been the perfect fit, an Ohio guy that understands the Big Ten recruiting landscape. I know Mel Tucker has ties to Michigan State, but he's been a a long time removed from the program. So we'll see how it plays out. But there's not a lot of talent there. Michigan State's not used to getting four- and five-star talent, Mike. That's the one thing that Mark D'Antonio did. He took two- and three-stars and coached them up. There's not a lot in the cupboard in year number one. All right, let's talk about two former NFL coaches. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Lovey Smith at Illinois. What has to happen for, I guess, them and the, uh, the university to part ways? And let's say, Doug, I'll be negative net again. Let's say it does happen. What's their future? Where does Jim Harbaugh end up? Stays in college somewhere, goes to the NFL. Same thing with Lovey Smith. Well, I think if you're looking at both coaches, I think Lubby Smith is actually trending in the right direction. He got the team to a bowl game, lost against Cal last year, but six and seven was a, a dynamic job, you know, in year number uh, three for Lovey Smith. I think the biggest concern will come at the quarterback position for both teams. You look at Brandon Peters for Illinois, and is it Dylan McCaffrey for Michigan? But I, I think Illinois' schedule really favors them to get back to a bowl. Seven and five, I think, is realistic. 510 winning percentage of their 2020 opponents. I think they can get to seven wins easy this year, possibly eight. When you look at Jim Harbaugh, George, 12 and 12 on the road or on a neutral field site, that's 500 since 2016. They go on the road this year to Ohio State, a team that they haven't found a way to win. I mean, they've dropped 18 games over the last 20 years. That's not going to get it done for Jim Harbaugh if he loses to Ryan Day again and gets blown out in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, it's not even really a rivalry anymore. Like you said, 18-2, and two, that's not a rivalry. That's a one-sided uh, beating, really. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it it is an awkward situation with Michigan only because – he hasn't objectively done a bad job. He just can't beat Ohio State, and it has prevented them from being at the top uh, on the mountaintop, frankly, which is where a lot of Michigan fans feel they should be. He's a Michigan man, as they always like to say. I have always been of the opinion that I think he's more interested in winning a Super Bowl than winning a college national championship. But this is a unique scenario where he's coaching at his alma mater. I just don't know. I I just don't think the players match up. I think Ohio State's players are on another level, Joe. 
They are. And the biggest thing, Mike, has been the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, yeah. even when he was there with San Francisco, uh, when he had cap, right? I mean, he had a dual threat at the quarterback position. He hasn't had that. He's had a one-dimensional offense that needs to run the football and work off of play action. When they're asked to to pass or they fall behind in ball games, Michigan cannot get it done. And that's been the biggest Achilles heel. It's the biggest criticism of him that I think is accurate, that he can't find a quarterback when he's a quarterback himself. John Elway gets grief for it in the NFL. Harbaugh needs to get it uh, in college. Exactly. And and that's until he does that, they're going to be a good team. They're not going to be an elite team. And when you look at Nick Saban, he started his career and won national championships, maybe back in 2012 and 13 in those years. But over the last three years, even he's made the transgression, uh, excuse me, he's made the progression to a, a, a pocket passer that can stretch defenses vertically. Jim Harbaugh has not done that. And that's been the biggest Achilles heel. And now can Gaddis get this offense where they need it to be to challenge Justin Fields? I just don't see it this year. I mean, wide receivers good, not elite. Nico Collins is good, but they lose Tariq Black to Texas. They lose Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, they're a good team, but I, I think 10-2 and two is realistic for Michigan. But expecting them to get over the hump to a college football playoff, just not going to happen this year. Joe, we don't have a long time here, so I'm going to ask you, uh, I guess, a personal question here that I've always wondered. Which do you think is, uh, if Joe Lisi had a choice, would you rather be an NFL head coach where you got to motivate players or a college head coach where you got to recruit players? Which one do you think is easier and which one would you rather do? I would do the college uh, gig. And because of the tradition, pageantry, and once you get that train rolling, George, it's very easy to maintain. Look at Dabo Sweeney. Everybody wants to play for Clemson. Everybody wants to play for Ohio State. And everybody wants to go to Tuscaloosa. So once you win a national championship, it's very easy to keep that train moving as opposed to the NFL with free agency. Yeah, I can see that. It's an interesting question, George. First of all, I wouldn't want to be a coach <laughs> because it's a terrible job. But there's something to the college game where I think, and, and Nick Saban has openly talked about this, where you feel a little bit more like a person. You interact with people a little bit more. It's not just about wins and losses. <coughs> Granted, there's a lot of hypocrisy in college football, but you do get to interact with kids and be on a campus. It's an interesting lifestyle. Um, as opposed to the NFL, which is just all just brutal honesty and wins and losses. Come right back on FFC right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
today. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Hey, we're back on Football Full Circle right here on the grid. Mike, Joe, and George talking about the Pac-12. Again, we're just doing some kind of light previews right now. We'll keep breaking these down uh, throughout the summer. Give you a sense of what the odds are on the Pac-12 right now. According to FanDuel, top odds right here. By the way, none of these are that all all that encouraging considering we just talked about Clemson at 250-1 to one and, and Ohio, <laughs> Ohio State at, sorry, at 2.5-1 to one and Ohio State at 3-1. to one. We start with Oregon at 50 to 1. And then it's USC at 60 to 1. Arizona State, 150 to 1. Utah, 150 to 1. Same with Washington. It goes down from there. Stanford, 200 to 1. They've fallen off the map a little bit. Arizona and UCLA at 250 to 1, along with Washington State. And then Cal and Oregon State at 300 to 1. And Colorado bringing up the rear with a brand new head coach at 400 to 1. So. The one question I have to start this off with, Joe, can any of these teams make it to the playoff this year? I think if there's one, Mike, it is Oregon. And you look at the what Mario Cristobal has done over the past couple of years. Uh, he's really coached up the offense and defensive lines. And I think when you look at the defense this year, Thibodeau, uh, one of the top defensive tackles, uh, excuse me, defensive ends in the country, uh, a five-star recruit can really challenge uh, some of the best teams and offensive lines in college football. They're going to get their test September 12th against Ohio State in Eugene. If, if Oregon cannot off Ohio State some way, somehow, they're going to have a great run at a possible college football playoff. They were there last year, had an opportunity to knock off Arizona State, could not do it. Jaden Daniels and the crew got the victory over Justin Herbert. The quarterback's going to be the concern. Who wins that battle? I think it could be the former Boston College quarterback, Anthony Brown, that is an experienced quarterback. Unbelievable. I think he has an opportunity to win the job. C.J. Verdell is one of the best running backs in the nation. They can take this team to a college football playoff appearance, but it's Oregon and nobody else, in my opinion. If he goes there, if he goes there and they go to the college football <laughs> playoff, I'm going to lose my mind. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, George. Uh, I'm telling you, he put up the most passing yards, uh, uh, Mike, uh, in Boston College history since 2012 when Chase Reddick was there a couple of years ago. Think it's about that. Think, 
Well, he was the first 2,000-yard passer in Boston College, you know, history over the last eight years. I'm, not beating, him, I'm not beating him up. It will just I, – I, I'm fine with him as a player. It just – it would bother me that he would have to leave to have any sort of success. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, you know, greener pastures on the West Coast. I mean, it, it, it could be a good fit for Anthony Brown and Mario Cristobal. Definitely has five-star talent on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, they've built their identity around the offensive line. They have one of the most elite offensive lines in the nation last year. It'll carry over th this year with three of five starters coming back. So look for them to run the football, work off a of play action. And as, if they knock off a Ohio State, they're going to be in a legit top five team in the first month of the season. You know, Joe, we talked last segment. I asked you, uh, would you rather be a coach in the NFL or uh, college? And you stayed at college. Uh, uh, one of the reasons was once you get things going, they stay going. Train stays in motion. There, uh, it's easier to push. You would think. Now, growing up, man, for me, US, USC and UCLA, they were the teams. And they were always good every year. They always competed. Uh, you can go play at the player Heisman Trophy at the Heisman Trophy there. Now, not so much. Why? I mean, really, it's the, it's the entire Pac-12. Why? What has happened here? It can't be that hard to recruit players to go out and play in Southern California. Physicality, George, that's been the bi biggest concern for the Pac-12 in recent years. And it's not just on the offensive side of the ball, but it's predominantly on the defensive side of the ball. The Pac-12 hasn't played a physical style of defense consistently from the top teams to the bottom teams. That could be changing in recent years when you see some of the head coaches, Kyle Winningham with Utah, we see Justin Wilcox with California, and now we see Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator, taking over for Washington. We'll see how that plays out but when you look at USC and UCLA respectively they are finesse type of offenses that really break down in terms of run support so we'll see what happens for USC and Clay Helton Todd Orlando the new defensive coordinator really needs to take it and, and jump into it year number one otherwise he could be on the outside looking in for a job in 2021 so uh, I want to focus on a couple of coaches in particular, programs in particular. David Shaw is a guy I have a ton of respect for. Uh, I thought it was amazing what he was able to do at Stanford, frankly, all throughout his tenure at Stanford, uh, player, coach, uh, everything. He's a, a tremendous ambassador for college football. But they've obviously had a little bit of a downturn last season. Um, can he get them back to where they were? trying to compete, get to a Rose Bowl, try to really be knocking on the door of the national champions. It's, it's hard for a school like Stanford to stay at that level for a long period of time, but can he have them back in the mix winning this conference again? He can. I just think it's very unrealistic, Mike. The biggest drop-off for Stanford has been the offensive line. Just go back two years ago when Bryce Love was there. He was a possible Heisman Trophy candidate. They averaged 5.9 yards per carry. Over the last couple of years, Stanford's averaged 3.6 yards per carry in terms of the rushing attack. They're not built in terms of success. When they can't run the football, they become a one-dimensional offense. Teams stack the box and force them to beat them over the top of the passing game. And without elite talent on the, at the wide receiver position, they're a mediocre offense. And until they get back to rushing the football consistently, and I mean dominant rushing attack, they're going to be a 500 ball club. So I don't think they win the division this year. I think 6-6, six and six, possibly 7-5. and five, is realistic with their quarterback Davis Mills but anything on top of that I think is really high expectations for David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinal 
All right, we'll go back to UCLA. Chip Kelly, uh, new athletic director there. We'll see how that works out. It doesn't seem to be that long ago where Kelly was doing so well at Oregon. Goes to the <laughs> Eagles. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well. Actually, it was pretty terrible. What can we expect in UCLA? Is he the right man for the job here? Is it going to matter? Is he has a new AD or, you know, see you later, Chip. Well, I mean, here's the thing, George. I mean, you're, you're entering year number three, seven and 17. Is that what you hired Chip Kelly there for? I mean, th- I mean, you did not pay him $5 million plus to just go 7-17. Seven and 17. I mean, last year they started out 0-3, and, and the boosters didn't even want to go to the ball games in terms of home games. So he has a solid quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. They need to build the talent around them. But until the defense takes the next step, I mean, I think, again, 8-4 and four is possible. But this is not like an elite, talented team that he had at Oregon. So it's going to be a major rebuild. And when you can't do it on the defensive side of the ball, it's high expectations again for Chip Kelly and the crew. Seven and seventeen. Uh, he's one of my coaches on the hot seat. If they do not win eight ball games or get to a bowl se- a w- game this year, I think he's uh, outside in terms of looking for a job next so, year. So the new athletic director is the one that just came from Boston College, Martin Jarman. <laughs> he he just hired uh, Jeff Halfley at BC and then took his leave to UCLA. It would be interesting if he was put in a position to have to hire a new coach there, but I think he's probably there to make changes. Their previous athletic director was there, Dan Guerrero, for 18 years, and now you have somebody, like you said, 7-17. and Look, Matt Rule was put in an impossible position at Baylor. He turned that thing around in three years, Joe, and for Chip Kelly, if he stumbled again or they pulled off a five and seven season or even a six and six and went to a, a bowl game that nobody wants to attend. I, I think it would be hard. I, I don't know what the buyout situation is. So that has to come into account, especially what we're talking about this year with revenues impacting college football. I, I think even some of these coaches on the hot seat may survive where they might not have normally due to buyouts becoming restrictive in terms of athletic department finances, but um, certainly uh, a consideration if he, he doesn't have a good year. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, somebody else, Carl, Dur- Carl Durrell, a former UCLA head coach. Uh, he was with the Broncos, I believe, most recently uh, as a wide receivers coach. I believe that's accurate. And now he's the new coach at Colorado. I thought he was a surprise considering some of the other names that were thrown about for that job. But what do you think, Carl Durrell, in this job? Yeah, I mean, intriguing hire, to say the least. I mean, you know, even at UCLA, when Carl Durrell was there, he was a mediocre head coach, a coach that couldn't take the Bruins to the next level, underachieved in big ball games. And now when you look at the last two coaches that were there in terms of Mike McIntyre and Mel Tucker, five and seven seasons in back-to-back years, and you lose your starting quarterback, a senior in Steven Montez, I mean, and LaVishka Sonault, one of the best wide receivers in college football, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that offense. He wasn't an offensive mind. Now, can he do what Herm Edwards did in terms of being more of a diplomat in terms of the offensive defensive coordinators and allow them to coach that side of the ball and just recruit 
that's a possibility because I, I think when you look at it, he understands the recruiting aspect. He was uh, on Miami Dolphins staff. He understands how to coach up talent from a, a position perspective, but just wasn't a good head coach. And, and I think as long as he can maybe delegate to other assistants and he oversees everything, he has a possibility at success. But I think it was just a hire by default because it was a very hard job to fill once Mel Tucker, Tucker took the job at Michigan State. All right, I assume Darrell is going to get a second year at Colorado. <laughs> oh, Kelly, listen, in this day and age, I don't trust anything anymore. Nobody has any pay. We're the microwave society. We want results immediately. Uh, Chip Kelly, it seems like we're going to get rid of him. Who else is fighting for their job in the Pac-12? Well, two other coaches, Kevin Sumlin and Clay Helton, just jump out. I mean, those are two that are definitely on the hot seat. Clay Helton first and Kevin Sumlin second. I mean, again, Kevin Sumlin, when you look at taking over for Rich Rod, I mean, he's underachieved when he had Khalil Tate there uh, in back-to-back years. I mean, five and seven and four and eight, respectively. Grant Gannell now takes over at the quarterback position. But again, this is not an elite offense and defensively took a step back in the second half of the year. They started out four and one, George, and lost seven straight games to end the year. I mean, unless this team steps up in the division and in the Pac-12 this year, they're under 400 in terms of winning percentage. Kevin Sumlin's going to be on the outside looking in for a job next season. Uh, All right, so we only have about a minute to go. Uh, of these three programs, Arizona State, Utah, Washington, Washington with the new head coach, which one has a chance to be, maybe challenge Oregon for at the top of the league? I think it's Arizona State with Herm Edwards. Now, you look at Marvin Lewis comes over and Antonio Pierce, co-defensive coordinators. Can they take that defense to the next level? They have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference in Jaden Daniels that stepped up last year as a freshman Can he progress this year? I think he can. As long as they can find the running game, I think defensively they're going to be fine with Merlin Robertson, one of the best players within the conference. They're a legit team. They play a physical style as well. Keep an eye out for Arizona State this year. Good stuff. We're going to bring Joe back for one more segment after this. We'll talk about a little bit of pro football news, a couple of players in the news, uh, Mike, Mike, Joe, and George on FFC back after this on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. 
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Hey everybody, closing out this hour on Football Full Circle talking a little bit about the NFL right now. A few stories came up uh, this past week and figured we'd bandy these about. First one is Warren Moon. Warren Moon, I don't hear too much from Warren Moon these days, but he was talking about Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And he says a quote here that he basically he can see the deterioration in arm strength of Brady and Brees because the same deterioration in arm strength that he suffered during his career. Quote, I can see, especially later in the season, and you can see this with Drew Brees and some of the other quarterbacks as well, their arms don't have the same pop at the end of the season that they had early in the year, Moon told Colin Coward. So this has to do with their age, and that's something I started to see in my career when I got older, that I didn't have that same pop in my arm. A lot of it has to do with your legs because you become fatigued over the course of the whole season. Now, George, this is something that you and I have talked about specifically that there is, while there's not a lot of data on it, because we don't have a lot of 40-year-old quarterbacks, that at the end of the year, Brees and Brady's accuracy has waned a little bit. Now, Brady's has waned a little bit, and he still won a couple of Super Bowls while uh, while this is going on. Um, but Drew Brees, I think we've seen the ending of the last couple of seasons. He hasn't played his best game. He didn't against Minnesota. He didn't against the Rams. Uh, when even though they got jobbed on the call and all that, he didn't play his best game. So you think there's something to this? Yeah, you know I do. I do think there's something to this. I think, it, listen, it's natural. As you get older, you're not going to have the arm strength or the leg strength or the endurance, whatever you want to call it. You know, I think it's uh, definitely going to affect their play here. But I'll give them this. Perhaps the fact that no mini camps, training camp maybe, uh, you know, stroll down a little bit. Maybe that's good for them. Pitch count goes down, right? They don't throw though they won't be throwing as much. I think it would be it would be very smart of Arians and Peyton in the first place to not have them take every rep in practice. They really don't need it. Certainly Drew Brees doesn't need it. You can make an argument that Brady will need it because new offense, but Brees doesn't need it. Save that object later in the season, because I do think it's listen, I worry about Brady and Arians' offense because Arians like to throw likes to put the ball down the field. He wants chunk yardage, and I don't think Brady has that fastball anymore. I think he's more of a uh, you know, off-speed guy, trying to lead you into it. Now, he might get, be able to get away with that with Evans and Godwin, who might be open by two yards, and he can get that ball to them. Maybe he doesn't have to worry about fitting at the tight windows as much. But I think it would be behoove both coaches to give them some rest during practice time, give them a day off during the week. At the very least, maybe they get Thursday off from practice or Wednesday off from practice. You know, save that arm strength for later in the season. So, yes, I think Warren Moon is 100% correct. Yeah. So, Joe, I think Tom Brady is so motivated to push the TB12 method. I think he'd play to 50 if he could. I think he would really despise Warren Moon saying something like this, but 
the Patriots really put him in good positions for the last several seasons of not having, as George said, to push the ball down the field. So you think there's something to this that they really need to make it a little bit easier, particularly later in the season, to be able to get the ball to Godwin and Evans and Michael Thomas and everybody else. Make it easier. Don't be pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, I agree with George. I think that that has a lot to do with it. And I think quarterback hits will play into that as well this year. So how well both offensive lines play, we'll see as if they don't take a lot of hits. Not so much sacks, but quarterback pressures. Are they getting pushed down to the ground? Do they have to get back up? I think that factors into that as well. But I think when you look at Tom Brady as a whole, he has other complementary pieces here with this offense. And Gronk comes over as well. Can Keyshawn Vaughn take some pressure off of the passing game this year and make them a balanced offense? That remains to be seen because that's what they did not have in New England. They were a one-dimensional offense later in the year, and when they needed to win that ball game against Tennessee, they couldn't do it because they didn't have the explosive playmakers around Tom Brady. And this offense where Bruce Arians, they've put those pieces around him. Now can he produce and lead this team to a conference title? I think Gronk's going to be as important as a as a blocker as he anything that he accomplishes this year, George. You know, a lot of people often treat these first round tackles like, "Hey, we've got our left tackle of future, we're good to go." It doesn't always work out like that. First of all, the guy's a rookie. Second of all, he might not work out. We see what happened in Denver with Garrett Bowles. He's a first round left tackle, and he's not a NFL left tackle, not a quality one. So. To to assume that the blocking problems have been fixed. Now, he's obviously a really smart quarterback, and he's been historically unbelievable. But uh, to Joe's point, the protection is going to factor in here for Brady. Of course it will. Of course it will. And the best way to get there to Brady is really not from the end. you got to get him up the middle. Get in the back pedal a little bit. You know, uh, I mean, I think what Arians is hoping for is that Brady will he'll know the defense right away. He'll know where he's going with the ball in two seconds. He's not going to take three, four seconds to get out throw the ball, which some ways is good, some ways it's not. Because if you want to get the ball chunk yards down the field, well, you're going to need more than two seconds to do that. So if you get pressure to Brady up the middle, that would be great for the defense. I don't know. I, You know, it's funny. When you look at, I think it was, I want to say PFF, football focus, they graded out the Tampa Bay offensive line as, I think, top 12 last season. I didn't see that. On the eye test, it doesn't say that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's any reason why Winston threw 30 interceptions, but I think it was part of it. Winston did seem to be pressured right away quite a few times. Maybe it was just the games I was watching. They had bad games. Whoever knows what it might be. But I think if you can get the Brady up the middle, he will make mistakes. He'll want to get rid of the ball here. But I think Arians is relying on the fact that even if the pressure does come in two and a half, two and three quarter seconds, Brady will have already gotten rid of the ball. I mean, Brady's was... First of all, he's an an expert at getting rid of the ball quickly, but in that New England offense, it was designed for that. Plus, they had Julian Edelman and Gronk historically and James White and very quick outlet passes for him to be able to do it. Unless Godwin is that guy here, or it could be O.J. Howard, Cameron Brake. There are other options, but as you said, George, it's really Arian's offense. They don't necessarily are going to gear every single thing towards Brady, though they should. Can they adapt like that? That remains to be seen. I think it's a big question mark, even though I stu- still like Tampa Bay's over. I just think their schedule lined up really nicely for them. Let's talk about the next uh, story. I'll throw it to you first, Joe. Uh, Matt Ryan. This is via Atlanta writer Jason Butt, formerly of The Athletic. Ryan was asked about the possibility of playing in empty buildings and pumping in crowd noise. Quote, 
I'm not sure our organization should be talking about pumping in crowd noise, Matt Ryan said. The Falcons were found guilty of exactly that in 2013 and 14. They were fined 350 grand and lost a 2016 fifth round pick. And President, team president Rich McKay was briefly suspended. So I think Matt Ryan is saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't be the team to experiment with this while the other teams are playing in the new Georgia Dome. Well, maybe that's why they asked him, right, Mike? I mean, they wanted a candid type of answer, and why not ask a team that's already been accused and and has done it Convicted. before? Convicted, exactly. So, so I think you know, honestly, does it really matter? Crowd noise, no crowd noise. Will it have an effect if they play without fans and they pump in crowd noise? I mean, how big of a, a difference will it be? I mean. I expect these guys practice with crowd noise in the bubble when they get prepared for road games. So they're used to it. I don't expect any drop off, but it will be interesting to see if they start the season with fans in attendance, because I can tell you this right now in the Southeastern conference, there's a bunch of schools looking to have a uh, full capacity week number one of a home game. So, I mean, that's something to keep an eye out on for the NFL in September 12th. It's a bad call. It's a bad call, hoping for full capacity stadiums. Uh, anything to add here on Matty Ice, George? I think it's funny. It's ironic. All right. Uh, listen, I think that everybody, we, we'd, all, we'd all love if come September 10th, everybody can have full stadiums. Not going to happen. Uh, no way in hell that happens, by the way. Uh, I think Mike, you brought it up earlier. Uh, Texas and Florida, they're already seeing major, I guess, the, the, the COVID ra, ra, tendencies are rising because they opened up too soon. Uh, what was it? I think one of the college football programs, I want to say Alabama, but they've got eight players tested it now. Positive, maybe more. Alabama so we'll had five in that in that uh, voluntary workout, but you said, as you said, it may be more now. I think it's some, some program had up to eight. I, th- I, I think it was Alabama, but I don't want to say up for sure. But uh, we're seeing problems now. So I don't think this is going to be solved in you know three months. I would be shocked. Uh, I, listen, I think it's going to be kind of interesting. What are they going to do as far as uh, we talked earlier? What if certain stadiums can texas right now texas can have half what if the texans and the cowboys can have half their stadium but you know rams can't you know or the Arizona team can't what happens uh, uh you said earlier do those teams get lucky oh hey you just made a whole bunch of money good for you i think it's going to be revenue share where you, it's going to be split within everybody because i think every stadium or every state is going to have different rules florida okay you're a quarter you know uh, california 75 percent. new york you're a third texas you're a half and this will change by the way I mean, I imagine it will change throughout the NFL season. These states are not going to cater towards the NFL. Well, some might, but most won't. And how are they going to handle that? Where in September, Texas was a half. In October, oh, we went up to 60%. But hey, in November, all of a sudden we had a spike. We're down to a third again. I'm, I'm, it's going to be very curious how they're going to write all this out as far as competitive advantage. I said it's the new Georgia Dome, by the way. It's a Mercedes-Benz. There's a couple of Mercedes-Benz in the NFC South. But Joe, to George's point... We don't know exactly what the capacity is going to be of these stadiums at the start of the season, and we sure as hell don't know what they're going to look like at the end of the season. These things can fluctuate. Things may get better, and we can open up capacity. Things might get worse. And we see college programs and college and universities planning to have students in there in August at home by Thanksgiving. And in the same way, maybe if, if cases started to rise, teams and states would say, hey, you can't have any fans in the stands anymore, so pull them all out. It could go from half capacity to zero by the end of the season. It really it really can, Mike. And 
when you look at some teams with just huge home field advantages, like the Chiefs and Arrowhead, I mean, how will that affect, you know, just their play on the field? But how about this? How about the referee calls? Now that there's maybe no fans in the stadium, are the refs more apt to maybe make that call against the home team because there's nobody to get on them, right? You think they're more unbiased in terms of that regard, pass interference. I'm really curious from that aspect as well. Uh, it's a great question, and I think you're absolutely right. They will feel oh, less influenced. They are human beings. George referees hockey games, although he seems to be right but, down the middle. Gonna, along yeah. the same thing, is that unfair then? Because if certain states will have more fans allowed in, you know, let's say by uh, September, Dallas can have 75%. That gives them a bigger home field advantage than, let's say, the Giants who can only have a third. Or is the NFL going to say, hey, whatever the lowest is, you know, if, if New York says – you only have 33%, and that's the lowest throughout the NFL. Well, that's all anybody can have then is 33%. So I wonder if that's going to be the final. So one thing I guarantee you, George, uh, they will not turn down $1. They will get <laughs> as many fans in there as they can. So it'll be unfair uh, potentially to the Giants versus the Cowboys, but I think ultimately your solution in terms of them revenue sharing the gate would have to be something that's kicked around. I think really the owners aren't going to be happy about that. Because Jerry's going to say, well, I know how to monetize better than the Giants know how to monetize. And then that's a whole thing. And I'm glad I'm not going to be in that boardroom meeting. I, I think it would probably be fascinating to be a fly on the wall. But uh, it's not going to happen. So uh, that's it for this hour of Football Full Circle. I'd like to thank Joe Lisi, host of College Football Today, being here with us. On behalf of George Kurtz and our, Brian, our producer, Brian Rutkowski, thanks for watching FFC. Get on the grid. We'll see you again next time. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. 
Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.